Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today we are interviewing Betty McConey. She is the CEO and founder of Girl Child Network Worldwide. She is an international speaker and a girl child rights activist. Betty, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you so much, Angela. I am so excited to be able to talk with you today, to share your story with our listeners, and to talk about the foundation that you started. But before we talk about Girl Child Network Worldwide, can you tell our listeners your story about your childhood and how you learned some things that helped you to become the activist that you are today? Um, what I would like to share with listeners is that I grew up in Zimbabwe, it's in Southern Africa, in a very poor neighborhood uh, called Chitungwisa. It was basically like a slum area, overcrowded, unemployment and the like. And uh, in our family, there was a lot of domestic violence. So the only thing I could uh, stand up to do was to help my mother was a victim of domestic violence. So by just taking the burden to go out and sell tomatoes, onions at night, you know, like when you are a child vendor, going out at night to to sell is quite risky. Mm -hmm. So I was very unfortunate uh, in that I was raped at age six Mm. because uh, me being the youngest in the group. But uh, it was not only me, it was... um, like nine other girls in the neighborhood, but none of them spoke out about it. So I grew up with the trauma and anger that this had happened to me. I can imagine. uh, Mm. Oh, yeah. And tragically, my mother died on 27 January 1981 when I was, um, uh, you know, eight years and a few months. And for me, she died in the home because, as you know, Home is a place where you come to and you are supposed to feel safe. Mm -hmm. But seeing such a tragedy happening in the home uh, changed who I am today. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with no mother the day she died. I just stopped being a daughter and she stopped being a mother. That's how we parted. I saw her waving her hand to say goodbye. And uh, really the journey that followed me was that I had to fend for all the kids she left behind. I became a mother. So that transformation from a daughter to a mother at eight and a half years really had an impact for the rest of my life. Yes, Um, and how many children were there that you had to watch over and take care of? uh, They were uh, five children. Of course, I had a bigger brother than me, but you know, boys are not socialized to take responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So uh, even though by age he was uh, older, by experience he was far much younger than me as a girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that meant everything about the family was actually my own responsibility. Mm-hmm. And uh, my other brothers were like, uh, the other one, the youngest, was uh, just one year, three months. And that was a baby. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other ones were like six years, five years. We were all one year apart, kind of. Wow, that's incredible. And where was your father at this time? Uh, My father actually came, like what he used to do late, coming from maybe drinking and the like. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, it was so, so tragic that um, when he beat my mother, he thought like any other day my mother would wake up and, you know, do her face, cover it up. But on this particular day, he did not know that he was he was beating her for, for you know, like uh, causing something permanent like death. Mm-hmm. So my my father actually jumped out through the window and he just disappeared in the thick dark. And we never saw him until the police officer came to knock on our door to announce that uh, they were looking for him and that my mother was dead. Oh, my goodness. Betty, that's such a horrid situation to live through, especially as a young child. And I can imagine the different feelings that came up for you as far as feeling alone and afraid and dealing with some of the guilt and the shame. Can you talk to the listeners about some of those feelings that you can recall from being that young and having gone through all these tragedies? I think when you are like age six, in a community, in a family, in an environment, in a school, where issues that are sexual are a taboo. Mm-hmm. And then all of, and you know, in Africa, they emphasize on virginity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a girl who is not a virginity is blamed. Even though you are raped, you are to blame, no matter what age you are. So I grew up with, you know, knowing, and the, the worst part of it is that I then went to be a laborer at a Catholic girls' school. Mm-hmm. And um, they were talking about girls being virgins like Mother, Mother of Jesus, Mary. And each time they said that I shrank in my body. Mm. I the self-blame to say I'm not what the nuns are saying I should be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when it came to a time where I had to have an affair with my first, with my boyfriend, the question he asked it was like, are you a virgin? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, inside me, I said, yes, I am a virgin because I did not ask it to be raped. But the other part of me was saying physically I was damaged. I'm not. Mm-hmm. So I was. So you grow up like somebody who is torn between the lines, mm-hmm. and then the whole experience of having to look after children when you are also a child. Mm-hmm. You don't go out to play. I, 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 you know, I'm just beginning now at age forty to play around Facebook, mm-hmm. to play around with pictures, to 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 joke with people. Those things I did not have as a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your childhood really becomes something haunting. It's not um, really uh, something pleasurable mm-hmm. to to be a child. Mm-hmm. It becomes like a burden put on yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what I grew up like. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that is what has attributed the most to you starting the Girl Child Network Worldwide and to being the Girl Child Rights Activist that you are. Is that true? Oh, oh that's very true. Because then when I was deployed to be a teacher in the same neighborhood, there was uh, transference. The girls I was teaching were exactly like me. The struggles were the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I had reached such a level where I said, if I am still seeing myself for many, many years, even through these girls, why then am I quiet? Mm. And in any case, what is it that I lose by just telling girls that it happened to me? It, it, should, it should be happening to them right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I I became my own 
like um, my own judge. My I kept on judging situations and making decisions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so that role of being self-judgmental and uh, either guilty or innocent, it all depended on what I wanted to achieve. So when I then came to say, but I am transformed. I'm no longer the girl who can be, you know, whose mouth can be shut. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer like my mother who said I would die for my children and then she left the kids suffering. Mm. So I started making sense first to myself. Mm-hmm. So um, all these are uh, internal conversations mm-hmm. kept on turning me into the woman that I am today, not a victim. I saw myself transforming into a survivor. Mm. I then saw myself being the leader. That's beautiful. I love that because I wanted to ask you, did you have anyone that you could talk to that could be a role model for you? I think basically, Angela, when you are in a country, where where that culturally is a taboo, you know, you are just about to get married, and mm-hmm. then the whole um, family where you are going know that you are you are not a virgin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, your life will not work. So, in terms of coping mechanism, you would know what to say, what to do. So, for instance, when I said to my husband, uh, my, my would-be husband, the current husband I have, I said to him, oh, no, I'm not a virgin. And then he said to me, there is nothing that you could have done at age six to stop it. Mm. Then I, I could feel he was the first judge to pass on verdict. Mm. Mm-hmm. He, he kind of liberated me to say, Oh, well, there are good men who reason like this. He must be very intelligent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I found a friend. I found security, which I did not have. Mm-hmm. So from then on, I, you know, my confidence came on like that. And then there was a specific incident where a girl was uh, raped at gunpoint when a mother was at a pub selling beer by her mother's boyfriend. Then in the school, she came to tell other ladies who laughed and called their names. And to me, she was 13. Mm. And then I said, when she is so strong to say it to people she doesn't know, mm-hmm. why can't I just tell all the girls that you can, you can talk? Right, right. But then they worry about the repercussions of being beaten or being shunned or those types of things. So I understand what you're saying. So part of what you're trying to do is encourage other women and girls to speak out, to share what's happening, to talk about what their life is like. Is that true? It's true, Angela. That's why I said I can speak even to one woman in the audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As long as she's going to speak to another woman somewhere, mm-hmm. I will speak. Mm-hmm. So speaking is this mouth you see, as long as it does not bring out the voice, people will take advantage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's you absolutely know, right. The, 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 the eyes can communicate, the hands can communicate, but you know, with the voice, you're actually making a statement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're actually making the affirmation, you are being assertive, you are, you, you, you are being you. So that basic skill is what my grandmother, my mother, and myself did not have. Right, right. And so you had to find that soul within you, that strength, 
to find your voice and to start using your voice, not just for your own self, but to help others. Oh, yes. You know what? And what really, really uh, fascinated me about this is that I, I, I really saw in the girls the age to talk, mm-hmm. but I found them suppressed. Mm-hmm. Why they were continuously in that position is because they never tried it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you could give them a donation, you know, like what happens in Africa, send to them donations, yes, they get to them. But if they don't have the power and voice in a classroom where a male teacher is taking them and turning them into sex objects, mm-hmm. they will never attain education. That's right. That's right. No matter how many millions you give to someone who is voiceless, it mm-hmm. won't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I wanted to ask you, for those listeners who aren't familiar with Zimbabwe and, and that way of life and, and living in those conditions, what is it that you attribute that um, those living conditions to? Is it the government? Is it just the traditional way of thinking? Is it a lack of education that there's another way to live? Um, it's a combination, actually, uh, because uh, traditional institutions are patriarchal to an extent that a girl must be invisible and a servant in the home. Mm-hmm. You, you are supposed to be domesticated. By the time, you know, colonialism also said that girls can go to school and all both open their eyes. There was so much resistance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because according to the traditional norms, a woman is an object. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it, it, it actually became worse when the same women broke those barriers and then got education. Mm-hmm. Educated. They got persecuted. Mm-hmm. Because they were opening their mouths, patriarchy is it, to come back to say, we remind you of where you are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then we, we, we then have the same patriarchal, the patriarchal men coming into uh, the new leadership of the country, independence, post-independence. They still carry the traditional practices mm-hmm. that a woman is not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, of course, they put legislation on paper, but mm-hmm. nothing in practice. Mm-hmm. So you go to the court raped, and the judge would ask you, "Are you were you a virgin when you were raped?" Mm-hmm. You get a musician whose music is on top of the chart, who is calling women witches and prostitutes, mm-hmm. and everybody is dancing to that and mocking. Mm. And a woman is an object. You you get to a classroom where a teacher actually says, here, I want boys on the front row. Mm. And girls are thrown right at the back. The discrimination is, you know, in small pegs, but everything adds up. So it's a community that took satisfaction in that. As long as a woman is somewhere ahead of you, She's not in the right position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So institutions of government, there is a lot of uh, verbatim, like talking, talking. But when you translate it into action, it's there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that the reason that women, especially in your country, are you know kept at, at a certain place and not recognized as being worthy is because other people feel threatened? 
Do they feel oh, threatened by, by an educated woman, by a woman who uses her voice, by a woman with power? Oh, definitely. That's why I'm in exile, basically. The reason I'm in exile, I built a movement of girls mm-hmm. who started, you know, opening their mouths, who started sending rapists to jails. And then people asked, what on earth is that woman, Betty Makoni, doing? Mm-hmm. You, you know, and I was harassed by state machinery, the police, the army, everybody. Mm. You know, hardly a year passed without me being in police custody twice a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The interrogation. And one of the funny things I had in my life was on 27 August, when they asked, 27 August 2007, when they said, tell us, do you want to be the president of this country? Mm. If you want to be a president of your of a country, does it mean you have to be arrested and interrogated? Were the men interrogated when they wanted positions of power? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, feminine power is really threatened. Them. They are doing everything. Like when I started saying the girl child, we are a tiny organization compared to the harmful things they are doing to girls. It would be actually a massive one. But they interrogated me why I didn't call it a child, why I called it a girl child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. So they're very opposed to change and to bringing about education and awareness because then, of course, that would um, change things for the whole country. Oh, definitely. But we, even with education, the same attitudes, the beliefs and practices are so embedded. They, they, they've become part of every layer in a system. Mm-hmm. To an extent that you think nothing else but to see a woman just not there on the anywhere visible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you say to the women or what do you think about the women that don't agree with you, that think that it's fine the way that it is, that um, women should not have power, that women should not use their voice? Uh, I know there's been um, women who've mentioned that they don't agree with what you think and feel and what you're trying to do. And I know that's shocking for some people to hear because, of course, in the U.S., which is where I'm interviewing you from, we believe in equality and women's rights and things like that. So what do you, what do you have to say about that? Uh, I have heard instances where I've come to understand that the patriarchal system is not about only men physically. Mm-hmm. It's also about a whole system being instilled mm-hmm. in a human being, male or female. Mm-hmm. So they have taken, you know, doses and doses of the same patriarchal things in mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. To an extent that if they do not uh, stop me as women, they will also be blamed by the men. Mm-hmm. So they are also agents of the men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, uh, a lot of women are female physically. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the same practices, attitudes, and, and, and beliefs, they are the same. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying, that that's ingrained in them and that's part of the culture. But do you think that even if they believe in something that you're saying or have some emotion stirred in knowing that things are unjust, that it's fear that prevents them from changing um, anything or educating themselves or using their voice? Oh, it's definitely fear. 
Because even here on Facebook, you can't imagine how many women from my Zimbabwean community were banned even to to befriend me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by their husbands. There are so many whose, you know, private accounts were closed down by their husbands. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the, the men have also instilled so much fear because here the fear is that if I get uh, divorced, then you, you, you belong to a pack of women who are like outcasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I understand what you're saying. They, they instill psychological pain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to an extent that you don't do it because you fear that pain of isolation, labeling, defamatory statements and everything. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying. And you don't have to live under those terms because your husband obviously is, he believes in equality and he supports you in what you're doing. What can you share with us about his attitude on what you're doing? Because I'm sure it's not always easy for him to endure some of the things that are said about you or you being arrested and, and um, interrogated, those types of things? I, I must say uh, this is a, a very good human being mm-hmm. in terms of his personality, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of his gentleness. And uh, what I really like about my husband, maybe being an engineer and being the most one of the most intelligent men in Zimbabwe, uh, he has got a way of around a challenge mm-hmm. and um, but what I've seen about his personality and I love that such personality where you take everything with ease mm-hmm. you know nothing frightens him mm-hmm. <laughs> that's great and nothing really worries him I've never seen him all my life quarreling with anyone mm. he, he is so delicate he's a very I, peaceful person seen, yeah he's the opposite of men I'm fighting Mm. Mm. So my husband, I must say, I'm not the best person to to give, you know, such comments. But I would want to say uh, uh, the gentleness is to some men unnatural. That's why they would call such men uh, that they were given, you know, lucky they were given charms by their wives to be violent. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. also suffers as a man who is good to a woman who is rebellious. Mm-hmm. But I must say, between the two of us, I think we we have got a very good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One is so reserved, quiet, and he does not. He is not a public figure. He shies away from photos. He does not talk. And, but the thing is that when I go to the stage to talk, he listens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He becomes part of the emotional audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I'm down and I say, did I speak well? He says, that was really good. Oh, that's wonderful. And I remember one day when I woke up late to attend a poor woman. We had come like 300 miles to be attended by me from a rural area. My husband really advocates for women privately. He said, Betty, you are forgetting that you were once so poor. You mm. have taken 15 minutes to attend here. It's mm. not like you. You should have done that long back. Don't take delight in your present comfort. Mm. Mm. I like you that. So quietly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up. Mm-hmm. So he's your great encourager, and I love to hear that. I think that's fabulous, and that in itself 
is a wonderful testimony that there is a possibility for change and for a better future for the young women and, and girls that will be growing up in Zimbabwe and other areas that suffer such injustice. I would love for you to share with the listeners the main thing that you really hope to have happen out of your foundation, Girl Child Network Worldwide. What is the main purpose and mission? Um, I left a lot of young girls back home. These girls depended on my strength and my vision. Mm -hmm. And I know them one by one. Mm -hmm. What really I want to come out is that the girls have got potential. They they Mm -hmm. want to do something that will make them independent from Mm -hmm. begging, independent from like selling their bodies to to get money. Mm -hmm. So really out of my foundation right now, I want to set up the first girls empowerment fund. Girls are writing little proposals, sending to sending them to me. They want like two hundred US, one hundred US to set up a garden. Mhm, mhm. They want something to do with their hands and mm-hmm. not something to take from someone. They want a fishing rod, not the fish. Mhm. So mm-hmm. I'm saying, now here I am on the global center mm-hmm. and I need really good friends who can help me mm-hmm. to make this a reality mm-hmm. so that when a girl contacts me, I don't run around looking for money. Mm-hmm. I actually go to that trust fund, mm-hmm. take it and give it and she moves on. No bureaucracy, mm-hmm. no delays because once we delay assisting a girl, we are perpetuating whatever a rapist is perpetuating. Mm, that's true. So the, the, my project is an emergency one. Mm-hmm. And uh, Angela, if you have gone through my Facebook, I don't sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Everybody calls my house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, well, they know where to call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But will they get the positive response? Mm-hmm. So we just want a platform for them to know if I call, I'll get it, and I will honestly do something to help myself. That's right. And that was what I was going to ask you. What have you seen in your journey so far in talking with other women, teaching them and supporting them in however way you can? What have you seen in general as as far as the results of doing what you do? What has happened to be a positive outcome? I think I must just give a quick testimony and say when I, I, I came to this part of the world, I just say to myself, oh, uh, these women, I'm this first world, I come from third world, I should be the one begging. Mm-hmm. I should be the one fundraising, looking for money. But it really shocked me when I started donating my story to them. Mm-hmm. That story transformed a lot of women who cried, Mm. who broke silence, who hugged me. I've come to understand that donation can also be your heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. I would not have all the pounds and U.S. dollars. But what I found, I've got the heart to donate. So from my story, women in this part of the world have come on to build their project. I'm a CNN hero. And most women, you know, when you're in America, when you talk about a celebrity, you're talking about somebody who is not reachable. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But when I sat on their tables to share food with them, mm-hmm. when I crossed the bridge with them on Women's Day, mm-hmm. I've never seen women so happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if my life can be given out to people as a free donation, for them to drop tears, for them to debrief, let my life be mm-hmm. a donation. That's awesome. I love that you're saying that. And and I really commend you for all that you do and the efforts that you've made for so many people around the world. I know that you go out and speak internationally and you share your story and encourage and inspire others. And I believe that's what you were getting at is that really by educating others, by promoting the cause of activism for girl child rights, you're helping to encourage and inspire every woman, every girl to do something powerful and meaningful with their life. Is that right? Oh, yes. You know, this, the women and girls we are talking about have got it already in them. Mm-hmm. When I talk, I'm just unleashing it. That's right. You- I- you you are just adding to what so I've gone around telling women that you look it's there. Mm-hmm. Look the pain will just drop and you move on. Mm-hmm. The thing is ask how, don't ask why. Mm-hmm. The little little things we take for granted is what is healing the women's hearts. Mm-hmm. That's right. The words, the company, the touch, the hug, the hello. Just are you okay is mm-hmm. is what is actually healing them. Yes, compassion heals so much. It really does. You're so right about that. And I thank you for being the compassionate and lovely woman that you are, Betty. It's just amazing to see the work that you've done. Can you share with our listeners uh, the website information and how they would reach you to either make a donation or get more involved with your organization? When you go to our website, www.girlchildnetworkworldwide.com, dot org. I'll repeat again www.girlchildnetworkworldwide.org. You can take as many options as you want as how to help us. You can be a volunteer, you can be part of our advocacy team speaking out against abuses of girls. You can also make any modest donation and anything that is donated to us by the, your heart is a big donation. That's right. Thank you, Betty. We appreciate you being on the show today and sharing a part of your story and talking about your wonderful organization and the things that you're trying to do to change a part of the world that needs change. Oh, really, I wanted to say before you, I go, Angela, your story, what you do for all women really inspires me. And I wish many women could also meet you and hear your story. Thank you so much, Betty. I appreciate you saying that. This is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. If you'd like more information about today's show or have a comment or question, you can reach us at www.yourstorymatters.net.